If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I want to minister to you today from Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'll begin reading with the first verse. The prophet writes, he says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, Me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is simply Dry Bones. Dry Bones. I want to draw attention to that uh, question that the Lord asked uh, Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Dry bones. In 586 B.C., Jerusalem was totally overrun and uh, raised to the ground by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his great army. Solomon's temple, which had been the pride and glory of Israel, uh, was reduced to ashes. The inhabitants of Jerusalem had been taken to either Chaldea or Babylon in captivity, uh, including the last king of Judah who was blinded and taken in chains to Babylon, which is present-day Iraq. Their nation's history had begun with a marvelous delivery from the land of Egypt. The book of Exodus tells us about that, but now they were being returned to captivity. Of all the prophets in Scripture, Ezekiel, whose name means God strengthens, 
was probably the most colorful. He would pantomime, he would cry and wail, slap his thighs. He ate a scroll and did many other unusual things to burn his messages into the minds of his people. Historians tell us that Ezekiel was probably only about 25 years old when taken into captivity. Here was a young man who'd literally been raised in the shadow of the great temple of Solomon uh, uh, in Jerusalem. He would no doubt plan to follow in the footsteps of his father, who was a priest. And he had trained for this his entire life. Jewish law provided for a man to enter into the priesthood at age 30. Yet in Ezekiel chapter 1, it says it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, Excuse me, in the fifth day of the month, I was among the captives by the river Chabar. I don't want us to miss the significance of this. At the age when he uh, had assumed, uh, no doubt, that he would go into the priesthood, here he was, many, many miles from home, captive with the other captives by the river of Chabar. His plans had gone awry. Uh, instead of being the priest in Israel, he was now one of the captives. And um, so we move ahead here to Ezekiel chapter 37. And it says he was taken into a valley of dry bones. And you'll notice the text says there were many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, okay? Very dry means, uh, speaks of death, dry bones. We hear stories about skeletons that are discovered, and the, the, the skeletons are very dry because uh, the, uh, the, the persons that, uh, whose skeletons they were had been dead for a very long time. So, so this speaks of death, and, and it's, it's a picture of uh, the Israelites and their hope. They had had great uh, blessings from Almighty God, but they had disobeyed him, and so he allowed them to be taken into captivity. And now their hopes were dashed. Their hopes were dead. Uh, they thought of their future. It was a future of death. It was a future of futility because all their hopes were dashed. You ever feel that way? Your plans don't go as you expected them to, and you, hope is gone, and you feel like, hey, you know, things are just never going to turn out the way I had hoped they would. And sometimes we can move into despair. The people of Israel were in despair. They were uh, pictured by these dry bones. And sometimes our spirits are like that. We become dry in our spirit. You know what I mean by that? The Bible uh, uses uh, a couple of metaphors to refer, uses many metaphors, but a couple metaphors I, I want to highlight to refer to the Holy Spirit. One is water, uh, the, 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 the flood. Jesus said, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, and he spoke this of the Holy Spirit. Also, a metaphor is oil. Uh, and, and whether it's oil or water, uh, it, the, the concept is, is, is bringing moisture, it's bringing vitality to one. And the opposite of that is being dry. 
What do I mean by being dry in our spirit? We just don't have the vitality we used to. We may go through the motions. We may come to church. We may watch church online. We may uh, put our tithe in. We may uh, go through the motions. But the enthusiasm, the excitement, the, 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 the vigor of serving God and, and, and going 100% for him, it's just not there. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you ever feel that way? I think we all go through periods of dryness, and we feel like those dry bones. But in this uh, passage, God uses these dry bones to communicate a message to, is, uh, to Ezekiel to, to, to pass on to the Israelites. And, and we see here a threefold restoration. And I want to share this with you. And I'm excited to share this threefold restoration because it, 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 it highlights what God wants to do. When hope seems lost, when we're dry in our spirits, when the vitality seems gone, God can restore us today. Do you believe that? So let's look at a threefold restoration. And, and the first thing, and in and, and each of these there is a, an element that God uses, a tool that God uses to bring about that restoration. I want to share that with you. Uh, the first a part of the restoration is that God's word makes us whole. God's word makes us whole. The Lord said to Ezekiel in verse 4, prophesy these bones and speak to them, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, how can bones hear? <laughs> but the idea is that God's word uh, was being applied to these dry bones. And what happened? Uh, he, he said, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you. So he said, I prophesied, I spoke the word of the Lord as I was commanded. And he started doing that, and he started hearing some rattling. You know? We, 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 you ever hear a rattling sound? It's, it's not always a, a good sound, but in this case it was. He said, rattling. Bones were coming together. Bones, uh, you know, a, a leg bone here and a, a thigh bone here and a hip bone here and, uh, you know, arm bone here and a rib cage here, and they start coming together. So the rattling you heard was the bones coming together, and then he saw tendons and flesh appear on them and skin covered them. This is incredible. This is a miracle. This, this structure uh, was being put back together. And what was the cause of it? It was the word of God. The first part of a divine restoration, you know, we get dry in our spirit and, and uh, you know, uh, th th there's an old story of an old couple was driving down the road and, and, and the driver's driving. They'd been married for 30 years and the wife was on the side and she said, you know, honey, uh, I remember when, uh, you know, we used to drive in the car and we were first married and, and I would snuggle up close to you and you put your arm around me as we're going down the road and we were so close and now look at us. Uh, we're, we're, you know, you're over there, I'm over here, we're just all, we're, we're just separated. The old guy just keeps his eye on the road and says, it's not my fault, I haven't moved in 30 years. <laughs> Pastor Tim, what's your point? If we feel separated from God, if we feel dry in our spirit, it's not because he's forsaken us, it's not because he's moved away from us, it's because we've done the drifting, we've done the moving, Amen. 
Amen. And so we realize that. But what will bring us back into order? What will bring things back together for us? It's the word of God being applied to our lives. This book is, is, is God's manual for life. I, I'm always interested when I hear somebody say, well, I know the Bible says this, but... What? In other words, yeah, I, I know I should, do, I should follow the Bible here, but as if we have extenuating circumstances. There is no but. If the word says this, then that needs to be the way it needs to be. Thank you for that underwhelming response. Gypsy Smith told of a man who said he received no inspiration from the Bible, although he had gone through it, quote, several times. She said, let it go through you once, and then you'll tell a different story. An unknown writer said this, speaking of the Bible. We have this quote for you. Let's put it up on the screen. Uh, this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. Amen. I couldn't put it better myself. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, that great psalm about the Word of God. Verses 101 to 112, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. It's the word of God that makes us whole. It's the word of God that brings all things together. You say, Pastor Tim, I just, some, I, I just can't get it together. If you order your life according to the word of God, if you do your best to follow every line, every precept of this book, God's holy word, just like those bones coming together and the flesh and the tendons coming together, your life will come together in ways that you could have only dreamed. As the skeleton gives structure and stability to our physical bodies, so the Word of God gives structure to us practically, emotionally, and spiritually in terms of our priorities, our relationships, our decisions, our thoughts, and our actions. Very simple. Follow the Word of God. I didn't say it's always easy. 
We confuse simplicity with ease. Be, uh, following God's word might not always be easy. It might not be convenient. It might cost you something. But it's very simple. Do what the word of God says. So Pastor Tim, how does that work? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. If we follow God's precept for purity and for marriage, that is a, a, a biological man married to a biological woman for life, and, and, and in a monogamous relationship, you don't have to worry about uh, sexually transmitted diseases or any other problems like that. Because God's plan is set forth. Follow the word of God. And I give you a host of other examples. This morning, I respectfully ask you, whether you're here in the sanctuary or watching online, what areas of your life need to be brought in line with the word of God? Your thought life. The, 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 the vocabulary you use, your business dealings, your financial matters, your attitudes uh, toward others, spouse, children, acquaintances, the way you treat people. What in your life is not in accordance with God's word? We need to find that and we need to bring it in line with the word of God. Amen? Amen. And that will bring wholeness. That will help us get it together. So the word of God makes us whole. Secondly, the second uh, restoration here uh, we find is that God's spirit gives us life. Uh, Ezekiel says the bones came together and the flesh and the tendons, but there was no breath in them. And so he said uh, prophesy to the breath and, and breath and, and spirit are the same uh, Greek word. Prophesy to the breath a son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, breath entered them, they came to life. The, following the word of God, as I just said, is, is critical in bringing our life together. But I want you to know, we need to do more than that. We need to be energized by the spirit of the living God. Matter of fact, the, the Bible says in one place, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And, and there are, there are uh, pastors and teachers who teach, uh, truthfully enough, yes, we need to follow the word of God, and the word of God is supreme, and it is. But there's not a hint in their teaching of the spirit of God moving within us. And so there are many... God-loving, Bible-believing Christians who view the Word of God as a rule book and as a textbook, and they follow it and do their best to follow it. That's good as far as it goes, but they don't have the life of the Spirit within them. They're born again, and the Spirit of God comes in us when we are saved, but they don't have the fullness of God's Spirit. And uh, it's God's Spirit that gives life. And the, the Hebrew word... Uh, I said Greek before, I meant Hebrew. The Hebrew word translated breath can also mean wind or spirit. And so when uh, the, the breath of God is breathed into us, uh, there comes a life, there comes a vitality. And uh, we, we are part of the Assemblies of God, part of Pentecostal denomination, and we believe in the fullness of the Spirit. Amen. We believe in the, the, the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. And if you haven't received this gift, I have good news. God has it available to you. 
If you'll seek him for it and you open up your spirit, he will fill you to overflowing. It's the spirit that gives life. Yes, we follow the word of God. We do our best, uh, as I said, to obey it. But we need to allow the spirit of God to bring us life. Um, I remember one time I went to start my car and uh, had that dreaded click. You know, you turn the key and uh, nothing happens. And I thought, oh my. Yeah, I didn't even hear, you know, sometimes you hear the, the motor trying to start and then it just coughs and dies. I didn't even hear that. And, and I remember, oh, you know, just nobody likes to have that happen, especially when you're away from home. I, I'm not a car guy. I don't know a lot about cars. But I, you know, on the, on the one in a million chance that I could figure something out, I opened the hood, played around a little bit with uh, the battery cables. I noticed one of my cables was loose. And I, I put it in place and got it as snug as I could. Went and tried to start the car, or it started right up. Well, if you're not connected to the source of power, uh, you, you're not going to have any. You're, you're, you're not going to get started. You're not going to get going. And the Holy Spirit is our source of power. Can I tell you, our power, our strength gives out. I don't care who you are. I don't care how capable, how self-sufficient you fancy yourself to be. There are times when your strength gives out says uh, in Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like uh, wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord for his spirit to flow through them. When someone's sick and they can't breathe on their own, they have a respirator to help them breathe. We need, just like we need air in our bodies, we need uh, the, the breath of the wind of the Spirit of God flowing within our spiritual bodies. It's God's Spirit that gives us life. And if, you're, if your life is lacking vitality, I want to encourage you to get along with God. And, and if you haven't received this gift of the Holy Spirit, you pray and ask God to fill you and yield yourself to Him, and He will fill you to overflowing. He'll give you a beautiful prayer language. And if you have received this gift, I encourage you to pray in the Spirit and allow God's Spirit to flow through you. You see, with God's Spirit in us, there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't accomplish for Him. And God will breathe the breath of, of life of his spirit into you in a fresh new way. And you will have a vitality. You'll get excited about serving God like you haven't been in a long, long time. Say, Pastor Tim, how do you know this to be true? Because I've experienced it in my own life. And because the word of God says it's true. It's the spirit that gives life. Is God's spirit flowing in your life? When you face a crisis, when you face a problem... Is God's Spirit working? Are you praying? Are you asking Him? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, help me in this situation? Or are you just trying to do your best to figure it out on your own? How many know that doesn't always turn out well? God's Spirit gives us life. It gives us vitality. God's Word makes us whole. God's Spirit gives us life. What's the third thing, the third restoration we see here? It's this. God's vision brings us hope. In verse 11, it says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So we see the analogy there. And he says, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone. As I referenced at the beginning of the message, our hope is gone. We have no future. And God 
begins to speak to them, and God says, I'm going to do something. Your hope is gone, but I have a vision for you. I have a future for you. You see, without hope, our, we're in bad shape without hope. We hear, about, we hear about numbers of suicide, and particularly teen suicides. What's the reason for that? I can boil it down to one thing, a lack of hope. A lack of hope for the future. And too many people, even people sitting in church pews on, on this Sunday morning, are, are, are sadly lacking in hope for the future. They've, they've endured failure after failure, and, and shortcoming after shortcoming, disappointment after disappointment, frustration after frustration. They say it's always been this way, it's always going to be this way, and they just have no hope for the future. The devil was having a yard sale, and all of his tools were marked with different prices. Speaking of yard sale, okay, we're having a heavenly yard sale, but the devil had one. And uh, he had things on sale like hatred, jealousy, deceit, lying, and pride, all at very expensive prices. But over to the side was his most worn and most used tool. It was labeled discouragement. When asked about it, he said, this is more useful to me than any other tool. When I can't bring down my victims, when any of the rest of these tools, I use discouragement because so few people realize that it comes from me. And the enemy is never happier than when he sees Christians and believers in God discouraged and out of hope. The philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre wrote this. He said, man can count on no one but himself. He is alone, abandoned on earth in the midst of his infinite responsibilities, without help, with no other aim than the one he sets himself with no other destiny than the one he forges for himself on this earth. God help us if that were true. And that's the philosophy of many people. You can't depend on anybody or anything. You depend only on yourself. You can't depend on God if they even believe in him. You can only depend on yourself. I'm happy to report that's not the case today. Aren't you glad your greatest resource, your greatest hope for the future doesn't rely just on yourself? I know I am. God, in the midst of this hopeless situation, says this is what I am going to do. You've tried it your way. You've, you've tried to use your resources. You've tried to bring about the preferred future that you want and tried to manipulate and arrange and, and, and follow a plan and bring things about the way you want them to be. And that hasn't worked too well for you. But if you listen to me, this is what I am going to do. This is what your future looks like to me. In Psalm 42, verse 11, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. A man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout what the score, uh, score was. The boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Wow. The spectator said, I bet you're discouraged. The boy said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't gotten up to bat yet. You see, 
That's a picture of us, right? The enemy throws his shots at us and, he, and, and, and things happen and we just think we're doomed and there's no hope for the future. And, uh, but you know what? God's about to get up to bat. God's about to step up to the plate, amen? And he's the, he's the best hitter in, in, in all of existence, hallelujah. Charles L. Allen said, when you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. I love this familiar scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's time we set our plans aside and, and, and look toward the plan that God has for our lives. Because he has a vision, he has a plan, he has a future for you that he has ordained for you. And God's vision, God's plan will give you hope. You know, I've pastored this church for about 31 and a half years now. And uh, we've had our ups and downs, you could say. Some of you have been with us for a big part of those ups and downs. We've had our you know, mountaintop experiences and we've had our valleys. We've had our victories and we've had our struggles. But the one thing that's kept me going is that God called this church into existence. And God said, I will bless this church. I will make this church a significant work. I will do great things in this church. That's the one thing during the valley periods that has kept me going and keeps me going today. And God says the same thing to you today in your life. He says, you think hope is gone. You think because of your present circumstances and all the things that have gone wrong, you think it's never going to get any better than this. But I'm about to step up to the plate. Hallelujah. I'm about uh, to, to begin to act on your behalf. Be hopeful today. Respond to Almighty God. Believe the word of the Lord that he has a future for you. Can these dry bones live? Can, can, can something be done about this dryness in my spirit? The first thing we need to understand is that the word of God makes us whole. I asked before and I'll ask again, what is there in your life that's not in line with the word of God? What is there you need to bring in line? It's the word of God that makes us whole. Secondly, it's the Spirit of God that gives us life. We need time in His presence. We need His Holy Spirit to come as we sang like a flood. And, and, and if you're feeling dry in your spirit, you just, you, you just need to be in, pray, in His presence and pray, Lord, just, just flood my being with your spirit. Lord, I'm thinking my thoughts. I'm thinking the world's thoughts. Lord, I want to think your thoughts. I want your spirit to flood my being. The spirit of God gives us life and vitality. And thirdly, a vision from God brings us hope, gives us a future. God has a future for you. Be encouraged today. Be hopeful today. Hallelujah.